O leaders of the apostles and teachers of the world, intercede with the Master of all, that he may grant peace unto the world and to our souls his great mercy. Amen. Welcome to three new attendees to our Bible study. Christopher, Jillian, and Anthony are uh, our first time, at least in person, here for our Bible study. So welcome. We'll get you caught up to speed. Don't worry um, with everything. Because this is an ongoing Bible study that we'll be doing for the foreseeable future with all of these. We started with 1 Corinthians, the beginning of 1 Corinthians was that beginning of September, so almost two months ago. And we are now uh, in the middle of the third chapter. So we're moving slowly, but definitely faster than uh, certain other Bible studies that I can tell you about, where they start in Matthew, and after 15 years, they're in the middle of Luke. <laughs> so so we're, at, we're at a very fast pace. Uh, uh, here. Um, okay, so we are in the middle of chapter three. Uh, specifically, um, we are, let me see, we are in verse nine in chapter three. Um, and St. Paul is addressing the church of Corinth here. Um, and what he has just been saying right before this is that. There's these divisions happening in the church. Some people like Paul, some people like Apollos. And this is showing in what he's telling them, this shows your immaturity. You're like babes in Christ. And I can tell that, he says to them, because of these divisions that are going on be- between you. Because Christ is, this, is unity. The Holy Spirit has united you in baptism and you're not living up to that potential yet because you have all these divisions going on. So you're not mature in Christ yet. And so he's chiding them, but in a loving and gentle way and calling them up to what they should be, which is to have the mind of Christ, to be animated by the spirit of God rather than by the worldly spirits that they're still being animated and motivated by. So he's calling them up to um, a higher level. And um, he's saying that Paul and Apollos and all the different preachers and leaders of the church are all one. So don't divide things. They're all one because they are all workers for Christ. Christ is the one that adds the increase. Paul or Apollos are like farmers. They plant the seeds. They water them. And while that's wonderful and necessary work to grow things, ultimately, it's God that gives life to the creation, that gives life to the plants, that gives us the fruit of the, of the world, right? So don't forget that, because you may not see God's work when you look at a field or if you're a gardener. You don't see God coming out and watering or, you know, blessing. You don't see this. But we have faith and we know that the world is continually cared for uh, and the world is continually brought to life by Christ, by God. He is the one that does everything that continues to give life. We don't believe in a God that's far off in heaven 
and has somehow set uh, about a course of actions that are just going like a big winding up a clock and then letting it go. That's not how we see God's interaction with the world. He doesn't just wind it up and then step back and let everything unravel, right? He's continually in the world, animating the world. And the Holy Spirit especially is that person of the Trinity that we uh, associate with the giving of life. And so every, every prayer, even at home or in the church, that we start with as we begin to pray and to reconnect with God, we start by recognizing that, by saying, O heavenly King, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. Who are everywhere and fills all things. Exactly, Christopher, who are everywhere and fills all things. We are always reminding ourselves of that fact, that it's God and the Holy Spirit that's giving life and that's making things happen. Whether that's a plant growing or a church growing, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul is pointing them to, is that don't think it's me or Apollos that's making this happen. This is God's work. This is the Holy Spirit that's giving life to these things. So that's what he's been uh, telling them. Uh, again, with that goal of removing the divisions, making them think spiritually about Christ, about what's actually happening um, around them. Okay, so that brings us to uh, verse 9. Would anyone like to read um, a couple verses there? We could actually read all the way through verse 15, 9 through 15, because it's uh, a cohesive section that he is talking about that we'll be speaking on. Any, anyone would like to read that? Lucy, do you want sure, to? Sure, I can read okay. it. Okay, <laughs> 9 through 15. For we are, God, we are God's fellow workers... You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which has given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Okay, that's a big passage there. He's talking about a lot of things. Thank you, Lucy, for reading. As you notice, there's a new jewelry piece <laughs> on her finger, so we congratulate uh, she Lucy. She gained weight today. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she's still glowing. <laughs> um, all right, so he says, we are God's fellow workers. So that's what we are saying before, that Apollos or Paul or all these people we're simply working for God. We're working along with God. Uh, this is the concept in the church. We have a word for this, working alongside of God or working with God. We call it synergy, which means sin, means together, and energy, energy, <laughs> synergy, the working together of us and God is synergy, which is a key part of how we look at everything, especially our own salvation, you could say, or any work that we do. We work and God works together. 
In fact, you could even say we are doing the work of God is how we even look at it. We are working, but it's God's work that's going. The two come together in our actions, God's work and our work. Um, This is how we should approach everything in life, that whatever we do is us working and asking God to bless what we're doing. And if we do that, it becomes then God's work. God is the one that's doing it. So that's how St. Paul looks at it. We're simply fellow workers with God. What an honor, you could say, to be a fellow worker with God. Not even um, a servant. Yes, a servant. But even higher than that, a fellow worker means you're on the same kind of level, which is a, a bold thing to say. And yet that's our theology, that we are called to be children of God. And children have the same inheritance as the parents. They're in the, in the, the same um, rights, growing into it, right? But that's our, our goal, is to be fellow workers with God. So God entrusts us with work. This, like, you could say this idea of the theology of work, that we work alongside of God. That's something from the very beginning of the Bible. When Adam and Eve are planted in the garden... They are given work to do. They are say, they're told what? To cultivate the garden, to care for, to tend the garden, which has two meanings. One is the creation, to, to tend the creation. And the creation is tended when man is in union with God, is in synergy with God, but also to tend the garden of our hearts as well, to cultivate and to care for the garden of our hearts to care for those around us. This is our work, is to care for those around us and to care for ourselves. And this work is only done successfully when we approach it synergistically, when we approach it with that synergy with God. It becomes God's work that we're doing. Um, so this is, this is, God doesn't just want us to sit around. He has work for us to do that we need to do so that he can work. As well, um, we are—I mean, we are his hands and feet, as as people have said before. We're the hands and feet and mouth of God, which is a high uh, calling, right? To use our hands and feet for the glory of God, and our mouth and our eyes, everything about us, to use it to accomplish the work of God uh, in the world. Okay, so there's. A very beautiful thing to contemplate there. And he quickly transitions, or he is going to transition here, saying, talking about himself and the other apostles, that we're fellow workers. He says, you are God's field and you are God's building. And we're, we're building up the church. We're building you up. We're edifying you, but this is God doing it. We're working along with God to do this. And then he, he continues and says, according to the grace of God, which is given to me, Christ is the wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another builds on the foundation. So again, it's shifting metaphors from the gardening metaphor to a building metaphor. Before they were the field and the apostles are the farmers. Now the people in Corinth are the building and, uh, and Paul and Apollos are the builders. And what Paul and Apollos have done in the building process so far is laid the foundation. And not even the way that they wanted it, but according to the plan of God, according to his dimensions and instructions. 
if you've ever built a house, you know it's important to plan it out. You can't just pour concrete on unprepared land and just build on that. You need to prepare it and plan it out. And this is the plan of God. This is God is the one who plans it, and the apostles are the ones that have poured and laid the foundation. Okay, any any thoughts or reflections on on any of of those and those verses? So true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. That's right. I think that one of the things that you read in there where it talks about gold, silver, Mm -hmm. gemstones, Mm -hmm. let's say, Mm -hmm. in that. And the way I interpret that is you're going to have many different individuals that are key elements Mm -hmm. to building that. So it's not just as as he's working to Mm -hmm. this maybe a Jewish piece or maybe mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. Samaritan piece. Mm-hmm. Still Jewish, but mm-hmm. a little different mindset mm-hmm. or maybe new in the faith. Mm-hmm. So I think it's this, like, goes back to the synergistic approach of many different individuals bringing their own mm-hmm. individuality and their own gifts mm-hmm. to this creation. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. not, to not go, oh, that's not yes. part of this. It is part of it. Yes. Right? I think mm-hmm. that, that was... The underlying, my grasp of it from the yeah. underlying piece of yeah. bringing all those to mm-hmm. it. Um, That's right. That's right. So, and there's two levels of what he's saying here. And as we go forward, we'll really see that he, he shifts from one level to another. So at the beginning, he's talking about building the church where he's laid the foundation. And then they, as the church, are, uh, are given the responsibility to continue building the church, to making something bigger than themselves as each piece is laid, each person and their talents is brought together, right? And that's a beautiful thing. Obviously, knowing that God is the one with the plans, and if they are following the plans of God, then the house of their church in Corinth will work, will, will stand, will stand. And obviously, when you think of a house metaphor, what comes to mind is a gospel passage, too, where Christ talks about the different uh, types of buildings you can have. You can have a building that's built on a good foundation of rock, or you can have a building that's built on the sand. Right. And obviously, as we know, there's two people that build their house. A wise man builds on a rock. The foolish man builds on the sand. And then the wa- the rains Uh, fall, the wind blows, and the house on the rock stands, whereas the house on the sand crumbles. So what's interesting if you compare that to here is that Paul is saying that he has laid that foundation, which is Christ. So they're in a good place, so to say, because they have a good foundation. They're in that category of the wise man building the house on the rock, right? But then they're kind of given the task to keep according to God's plan. Don't start building elsewhere outside of where that rock is, where Christ is. Stay with the plan is really what he's telling them. Stay with God's plan. Keep building on that foundation. Don't go 
somewhere else. Because what they're doing, as we've talked about before, is they're going to the Christian feasts and then they're going to the pagan feasts and kind of having feet in both worlds. That's an example of, you know, you're going to, that's not a good thing for the church in Corinth, right? That's not good for that building. You're not just building on the rock there. So where he's going to transition there, he says, he says, let each one, and that's kind of a transition, because now he's going to be talking not just about the whole church, but about each person in particular as well. Um, he starts talking to the whole church, and as St. Paul often does, he's here, and then he's there, and then he's over here, and he goes back and forth with all these things that he's talking about. So it takes some careful tracking. He was talking about field and labors, and he's talking about building and builders, building the church. Now he's talking about you are the building. So there's multiple levels here, right? The church as a whole is a building, but you are a building as well. Which we know, because the Lord says, you are the temple, and St. Paul, you are the temple of the living God. Okay, so that's where he's going to be going now. That we are now the building, Christ has the plan, but it's our obligation to build our building. Okay, so what does he say about that then? He says, um, but each one take heed how he builds on that foundation. So the foundation is Christ. And he says, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ. Okay, so the foundation is Christ. We all are on board with that. So then he talks about those building materials, which we said, you know, can be applied to the whole church, but also to us individually as well. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. Okay, so what's going on there? There's some materials that are going to stand up the test, stand the test of time, and some that won't, like the three little pigs. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the struggle bus with yeah. this one. Yeah, thanks for saying that. And, and coming back to what you were saying, that, that some people build their house on a rock, other on mm-hmm. sand. But not everybody has the same opportunities to build on a rock, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody is poor and the wealthy people have mm-hmm. taken all the rocks mm-hmm. and not left anything mm-hmm. for the poor people except the sand, mm-hmm. then what is the poor person supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And what if the poor person only has straw or, mm-hmm. or hay mm-hmm. and a humble gift mm-hmm. to give? They don't have gold. Mm-hmm. and silver mm-hmm. to give, but mm-hmm. they have straw and hay. Mm-hmm. Isn't everyone's contribution mm-hmm. valued? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm, I'm sorry to come from it from that perspective of things, but I, I just kind of feel like not everybody has the same yes. opportunities mm-hmm. as other exactly. people have. Yes. So I think what's key, what, what, what's good to say there is that everyone's contributions are important. So are, are you talking about with, in terms of the whole church? Well, like in the body the of the church? Of every, of every yeah. Day, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think, I think with, with that, I think what he's, when he talks about the different materials, we have to make a differentiation that when it comes to the whole church, like, like you're saying, we believe that everybody's contributions are important, right? I think... 
as he's going forward with this, we'll see that this is on the individual level where he's kind of going. And when it comes to the individual level, like us, every person has the opportunity to do good things in their life, to build with gold and good materials. So he's, where he's going to be going is speaking about these materials in terms of what we do with our time and talents, what we do with our lives. If you look at the, the metaphor of, of the building being the whole church, um, you know, everybody's contributions are important and God will perfect it and raise it up. Um, and, and, you know, the other, the other thing to think about, too, is if you go away from the material world, yes, some people can contribute a lot of gold to beautify the gold dome of the church, or some people can, you know, give a million dollars to build a new fellowship hall. Hint, hint, if anyone has a million dollars <laughs> and wants to build a fellowship hall. That's great. <laughs> um, but then other people may simply, like, the, like Christ, when he encounters the widow, gives one mite into it, right? And buys a candle. Even that one little thing, you buy a candle for 50 cents. Maybe you don't even have a dollar. And you give 50 cents to buy a candle. That is still gold that you're giving. So the idea is more giving your best to the church, whatever it is, whether it's small. Giving hay to the church would be, <laughs> where's Joanne? Is Joanne here today? <laughs> would, be, would be going through your attic and finding all your old clothes and leaving them at the porch of the church, right? That's not giving your best to the church. I say that for Joanne and uh, Shannon as well. Because sometimes, I, I don't know, uh, forgive me, forgive me, I don't mean to offend, but sometimes we will get a box of junk in front of the church that people in a good intention are trying to give to the church, but we're like, what do we do with this? I guess we'll give it to Goodwill? <laughs> you know, so sorry for the... But the point being, we should give the best to the church. But we give it to Goodwill. Yes. Goodwill will take it. Yeah. And they will make ropes and people will make rugs. Yes. It's not wasted. Yes, that's true. So it, it, that's true. Whether, it doesn't that's matter true. it comes back that's true. to yeah. take care of someone else mm -hmm. in some... That's very well, true. Do you, do you think... Yeah. I, I see that piece as metaphorically... What are you putting into your personal temple? Mm -hmm. And then you must be aware that there is going to be a reckoning. Mm -hmm. There will be a cleansing, a yeah. sifting of wheat and chaff yeah. and by fire. So mm -hmm. use your time wisely. Mm -hmm. Bring your time, talents, exactly. and treasures effectively, efficiently, and however you want to do it. I'm a soldier, so that's mm -hmm. how I think. Yeah. Is that don't fill yourself with filth and garbage yeah. that's going to get cleansed at some point. Fill yourself with that and bring that to it. I, exactly. I, that's why I think it's on a metaphorical level yeah. as opposed to you could be poor mm -hmm. in spirit, you could be poor mm -hmm. monetarily, mm -hmm. but recognize that, that there's going to be opportunity for you to make choices, what you see through mm -hmm. your eyes, what you hear, what you read. Mm -hmm. read quality, put mm -hmm. quality into your temple mm -hmm. because there's going to be a cleansing fire that comes. And yeah. Does that address your question? Yeah, you were... I, 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 it, I guess I, I know that, that an awful lot of the, the New Testament that Christ spoke in, in parables and metaphors and, and that type of thing. 
Um, but what I keep cycling back to are like the people that I work with mm -hmm. on a regular basis from third world countries who don't have mm -hmm. anything. And when I, and when I read this, that, that the gold and the silver and the hay and that mm -hmm. regardless of somebody's mm -hmm. background and, and all different people have different opportunities. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like the contributions of people who don't have so many resources mm -hmm. are not valued. Yes. And and maybe that's not, and maybe I'm not expressing it very well, but yeah. um, when somebody is 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 destitute, then I think it's hard for them to have. A, I think it's easy to become demoralized, mm -hmm. and when somebody is demoralized and feel like their contributions are not are not valued, mm -hmm. then it kind of goes in kind of a cycle. Sure. It's really hard to break out of. Yeah. And if they don't have the support they need to yeah. break out of that cycle, then how do they... Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm not... Yeah. But no, I, th the, I think you're right. Isn't the... Bill, oh, I'm sorry. No. Zoe, did you have... Did you want to say I something? I just wanted to interject that I am seeing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I am seeing is what back to the parallel one he's throwing the seed. That mm. if you're on, and what the rock is, is mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And my spiritual mm -hmm. uh, relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And he's the rock. And then the, the straw or whatever are those that are, you know, thrown in and maybe with the weeds or the, mm. and they're they're trying to grow but they're not you know mm. I don't see it as we're we're putting it into a materialistic idea and that's not what I'm seeing here. Right. We're putting it into our idea of how the world is right now. Yeah. But going back to to Julie's question, I think the important part to realize is that you know, all of us when it comes to the church have different talents, have different abilities. Some have very little to offer. Some have a lot to offer. But I think the point, if you look in the, like looking at the text here, it's not about what exactly you give or how much you give. It's the condition of your heart when you're giving. So even for somebody that is destitute, like let's look at a, like if a homeless person were to come, we want them to feel like they can contribute as well. That's important because people need to give to the church. But even the smallest contribution that may seem like some to some people like it's hay or straw, if you're going to go and look at someone else's contribution and call it hay or straw, that's a problem. You're judging that person in a very harsh and, and non-compassionate way. Where the reality is, if somebody's giving from an honest and good heart to the church, whatever it is, it is gold. That honest and good heart, everything goes back to not so much the physical, but to the spiritual. And so that person's contribution is contributing gold to the church, uh, you could say. But where he's going with this, as, as um, Christopher, you pointed out a, a moment ago, is talking about us being the temple. We are the temple. The foundation has been laid by the preaching of the apostles. We're building on the foundation of Christ. And we have the obligation and responsibility to build on that. And like he's saying, we can build with different materials. 
right? We can build with all kinds of things, right? You can build with good deeds and love and kindness, or you can build with hatred and passionate desires and addictions and all those kind of things. It's what you do with your time and your talent that's going to determine what your building is, right? Um, now, so there, there, and I'll warn you, there's, there's going to be a, a twist here, okay? So let's, let's go through carefully and slowly because this is not an easy passage like many of these things are. Because he starts by saying, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones, so think of the saints or the, the, what we're called to do is to do the things in an honest and good heart that build up our soul to do those um, things, to do our prayers, to pray for the world, to do all the things that are told to us in the commandments, to love each other, to sacrifice for each other, to um, you know, grow our spiritual lives, or you can build with wood, hay, and straw. And what he is saying is that we can build with materials that aren't great. Like you were saying a moment ago, Christopher, you can literally fill your body with things that are bad for you in the same way you can fill your soul with things that are going to be harmful for your soul that's the reality some things are good for us some things are not good for us some things build up our building in a sustainable and firm way and some things do not so a lot of what he's talking about is the works of what we do with our time and our talent how are we going to use yeah, i think it gives and build us a up. responsibility it does really. yeah it does a big responsibility. So then, then he, he continues. He says, each one's work will become clear. Okay. Because like the Lord said, whatever is done in secret will become revealed openly. Right. Um, and the day will declare it. Now, notice in the text, and maybe I know some people may have a different translation. So it may be a little different. But in my text, it says, when it says the day, it's a capital D. Right. Yeah. That's not an accident. That's not, that's, not, that's not like a Tuesday. Yeah, it's not a random day. It's not a random day. It's a capital D day. A D day. <laughs> In a way, that's, that's, it's a day that's coming and expected and planned for that's a big day. So what, what is he talking about there? The day. What is the day? Is it like just, not just the daylight, it's... The day of reckoning, or the day of the Lord, as it's called in the, in the Old Testament. This is the day of judgment, the day of the Lord. Um, it's, not, it's not a day of just sitting around on the beach, right, and God giving you a smoothie. No, it's, it's a day of the Lord coming back and restoring things in order and making clear, notice that connection between day and daylight and making things clear. This day of the Lord is a day when everything will be shown as it is in God's eyes. And that's why we can't judge now before the time, because you don't know what's going on with another person or their life or their heart. It's secret now. But on the day when the light shines, the light of Christ, on that day of the Lord, when he returns, everything becomes clear. Oh, well, Which is a scary thought. You better watch out. <laughs> better watch out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Be revealed by fire. And as we know from the scriptures, we say our God is a consuming fire. Our God, this this fire of the divinity is something that we recognize that God isn't just a fluffy stuffed animal. He's not just a cuddly puppy dog. There's a side of God. And in Christ, in his work, and at this time, he says, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world, right? So in this age, this is an age of salvation, the day of the Lord, the day of jubilation, right? But there will come a day when the Lord will come not hidden in a cave secretly, but will come openly in power and great glory is what we, we believe. This is the day that's being talked about. The fire of the divinity will be there, right? Um, so the day will declare each one's works will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Okay, that's the scary part. This yeah. is, will reveal and be tested uh, in that day. Um, and, you know, even backing up for a second from that to point out that when we say the, the day of judgment, we're talking about a day when our works will be revealed. We will see who we are. We will see Christ. And in his light, we will be able to see our building that we've built, right? Um, but even going back a, a step from that, I always like to point out that the word judgment in Greek is krisis. That's the word that's used for the judgment day, krisis. Krisis is very similar and sounds like our English word, crisis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a crisis is a judgment. It reveals something about ourselves. So if you have a crisis, it could be a health crisis, a crisis at work, a financial crisis, a COVID crisis, whatever the crisis is, it shows you about yourself. You're able to see yourself. You respond to things in ways you may not have expected, right? You see something unexpected. All of a sudden, I'm getting angry at my kids or something. Oh my goodness, I didn't know I was capable of this or that, right? That's a crisis. That's a judgment. But the beauty of it is it's a small judgment that we can then repent of right away. God gives us a crisis, you could say, so that we can see what we're made of, literally. So we can see what our building is made of. We can see what we will fully see at the last judgment. We can begin to see a little bit the state of ourselves so that we're prepared for the last judgment, right? So God in his mercy gives us moments in our lives when we're tested, when we're tried, moments of crisis, so that we can see ourselves and then begin to adjust our building, right? To continue building in an even better way. So just to throw that out there, that it's not like we're just going a long time and then all of a sudden, boom, you're a bad person or something like that. No, God, the whole, all of our lives gives us moments to see ourselves as we are so that we can prepare for the judgment of Christ. That's our, our whole life is a preparation 
for that day, right? Uh, to prepare ourselves for the, the Lord. Okay. Does that make sense? Opportunity Any for question? course correction. Yes, exactly. Opportunity for a course correction. Is that a military term? <laughs> opportunity it's, a it's a life term. <laughs> <laughs> term. <laughs> yeah. What do you, you say? Choose opportunity. For course correction. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like an airplane. <laughs> an airplane. Yeah, well, I don't think I want to go there. Warship. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anything on your path. You might go, yeah. I don't think I want to walk yeah. that way today. Exactly. Okay. Now, so here's, here's the thing about this, though, that we should say. I, I told you there's a catch here. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And then he continues, if anyone's work is built on it, if it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. It's a very interesting passage. The first part that, that, that should confuse us a little bit is he says, if anyone's work which he is built on endures, he will receive a reward. Okay, so that's an interesting way to say it because what I was expecting or what we may expect when we see that is if anyone's work endures, he's going to heaven, right? Is what we want to say. If anyone's work is burned up, he's going to hell, right? I hate to break it to you, but that's not what St. Paul is saying. And if you look at it, this is not what it's saying. Because that language that he's using there is reward. Reward. And Christ uses this in the Gospels as well. That he's talking about all those that you know, are going to heaven, they're receiving a reward. That we're working for a reward. We're working for this wonderful thing these levels of wonderful thing. So in other words, you can get into heaven and have a big mansion, or you can get into heaven and be completely naked (laughs) and barely make it in. In other words, you can even look at it in terms of there's not, so in a lot of our thinking about this comes from way back of the schism, before the schism, and shortly after, when in the Catholic world, it began to be introduced this idea that you earn heaven by your works, by what you do. You have to meet a certain bar by your good works, by the things you do. And there's lots of different ways to rack up merit, praying or giving things. And if you reach that bar, then you have, you're, Check. you're good. Check. You made you it to heaven. Threshold. You're a good person. <laughs> you met that bar. Okay. And, and a whole system kind of developed from this that we know as uh, indulgences. Because, for instance, the saints, they met the bar, but then went above. So there's extra good works that are floating out there. And if you want to get some of those good works that they did or good credit, you can buy them by buying an indulgence and you'll get some of that credit. This was one of the big reasons for the Protestant Reformation. Because many of the Christians said, wait a second, I can pay $1,000 to the Pope and I'll get this much credit in my spiritual bank account? Like, this doesn't make sense. It comes from this very judicial kind of mentality, legalistic mentality, that I have to make this certain bar and then I'm good to go. In the Eastern world, there's not a bar. 
I, I hate to say it that way. We love things that are clear or very concise. There's not a certain like bar that you have to get over and then you're good, right? Okay, so this continued, like the, so the Catholic uh, mentality for a while was very much like this. You, can, you earn your reward by either doing things or getting some of the saints' good things and then your bank account fills up, ching, ching, you made it over, you're okay, right? Now, the Protestant world, when, they, when the Reformation happened, they obviously rebelled against this, but they kept the underlying uh, idea. So there was still a bar, but now the, all the good works in the world are owned by Christ. Christ has all the good works, and then he gives us it, the good works, to make us righteous enough to get into heaven. There's still that bar, but now Christ has the bank account. He gives it to us when we, in one moment of our lives, say, I believe in God, ching, ching. We've been added all of what we need to get into heaven. We're past the bar. We're good to go. So both the Protestant and Catholic, and, and I'm not saying every Protestant or Catholic theologian or person says this. I'm making a gross or in generalization here. But this is how we sometimes think of our spiritual lives, that I have to get to this bar, then I'm all good to go, right? But really, when Christ speaks about the kingdom of heaven and getting into heaven, it's much more of you're, you're working and you're doing these things because you love God and because you want to be closer to God to get the reward. And what greater reward is there for one that loves God than to be as close as possible to God? So our good works that we do, we do because we love God and we want the reward of being as close to him and as much like him as possible. So we do good things to become the hands and feet. We do the good works to become like God, to be close to God to receive when we, when we go to, when we pass this life, it's not like all of a sudden all these things are possible. No, we begin to receive the grace of God and be close to God now. We begin to walk, as we, we talked about this before, we begin to walk with God here through the good things that we do, through loving him, through prayer, through striving to be like him. Because if we walk with him here, then we're going to walk with him there. We don't do it to get out of hell, in other words. We do these things because we love God. And we have that foundation. And we build on that foundation a beautiful building with all of our works so that we will have a mansion in heaven. That's, that's more the metaphor of the church that, that we, uh, we say. Is that, I mean, this, uh, I'm, I'd be willing to go into this more with questions and well, everything. Can, can you just circle back yeah. to how you started? Which one yeah, <laughs> thanks, you either, Nicole. <laughs> you either have a mansion in heaven or you're yeah. naked. <laughs> okay, so, so is that what the Orthodox believe? Well, if you read the, the text here, he says, and this is what's, what can be a little bit tricky. Because yeah. he says, if, if your work survives, you're going to receive a reward. So in other words... You do all these things in your life. You get to the end. The light gets turned on. The day of the Lord. The fire of, is another metaphor of like you're being, you're, your work is being shown and tried. And what's going to happen? Either you're, you're going to have a beautiful building at the end. Or he says, 
and the fire will test, uh, you will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. In other words, he thought he had all these good things, but he suffered loss. Um, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. So that's the image of, yeah, there's one person that has built a beautiful building and, and enjoys that rich reward of the building, right? Of the, the mansion in heaven, whatever that actually is. The closeness to God is one way to look at it. Or there's the person that has that foundation. Again, the assumption here is that everyone has that foundation, foundation. right? Everyone has that foundation. But for whatever reason, they are very surprised at the end of the day. <laughs> and their, work, their, their works are shown to be not very great. He says they still get in but as though through fire. If you go through fire, your clothes are burned, your house is done, but you're still safe. He's not saying that they go into the fire. We have to be careful because we're not saying this is everyone gets saved. This is, this is a tricky passage, right? We're not saying everyone gets saved. We're not saying that. We're saying that everyone that believes in God and loves God and is trying to work for God, and is on a trajectory towards God, that's what our goal is. And so there's a lot of mercy in this, that even if our trajectory and our goal is God, but our works are, are wrong, for whatever reason, we're just not doing it right, right? We're full of sins, we're full of whatever, of we think we're doing good, but we're really not, all these things we're still in a good place because we're heading towards God. We love God. We're doing things for him. We have that foundation. We're on that foundation. So even though we may be exposed as being frauds and sinners, we're still in the house of God. We're still beloved of God. So he's not saying universal salvation because there's, there's times in the Gospels where those people come to God and they reject him. And those are the people that he says, depart from me into the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels because you rejected me. You rejected me. And on that day, we will see him face to face. And everything we've done in our life will be a question. Will we want him then or will we not want him? It's as simple as that, you could say. Um, I mean, look, the last Sunday's gospel reading, I, I talked about this a little bit that you had two different people. You had the demoniac that comes to God, right? And is healed by God, right? But he wants to be healed. And afterwards he says, what do I need to do? What do I do? Like this is, I found it. Even though he was a terrible person, you could say. Maybe he did something to have these demons in him. We don't know, but he's not in a great place. But God heals him and restores him. And the man chooses God. Whereas all the people from the town, seeing their pigs destroyed in the lake, what do they say? Go away. Those are the people that we don't want to be. Those are the people that, that, um, that are in the bad place. The people that reject God. So there's a lot of, it's a different way of looking at things here that takes away the bar and makes it more, we're striving with all our heart to love God with the faith that if we stay true to him and we do our best and we're on a trajectory to God with an honest and good heart, no matter what, even though we're sinners, 
And even though our works may be exposed and, and it would be embarrassing in different ways, we're still with God. Yeah. I'm sorry to be like this. <laughs> yeah. just, but so take a situation where somebody is so drug addicted or so mentally mm-hmm. ill mm-hmm. that they can't see. Yeah. The, I, I have trouble thinking that God would reject that person. Yeah. That, that okay, that they're, they're drug addicted on meth. They can't find their way yeah. to God because of some yeah. other thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I have trouble accepting that God would not want that person. In yeah. The so, even if, even yeah. if that person is pushing God and, and Christ away because of mm-hmm. their addiction or their mental illness or, mm. or whatever, yeah. I, I really have, well, have trouble with, with that. And maybe this is something for a different... No, no. You're, maybe I'm you're, overthinking everything. No, this is a wonderful <laughs> question. This is a, this is a perfect question, Julie. Because you, if you think about somebody like that, it's a, it's a terrible place to be, right. to be addicted to drugs, right. to be addicted to these things. Right. You could compare them, not, not exactly, but you compare them to that, the story we talked about of the demoniac, right. where if you look at the demoniac, for his whole life, he's possessed by demons, right? right? And everyone that comes to him he turns them away, he throws stones at them, whatever. But when Christ comes, all of a sudden, he's different. So when we see, and, and you could say that that person, you know, is one of these cases where everything he's done is, is not very great, right? But the thing is, is that even though they may not look like a good person, someone that's drug addicted, homeless, all these kind of things. They may not look like a good person. They may be so habitually, um, you know, bound by sin that even when you try to help them, they, they don't respond well because they're not used to love. Um, when, you, when, you, when you consider somebody like that, what we see, sometimes we want to say, like, you know, that's someone that rejects God. They, the person has rejected God. We can never say that, though. To say that they've rejected God or will reject God is a gross and terrible judgment to make. So when we look at somebody, even the most broken kind of person, we, our hope and our belief and our prayer is that whenever Christ returns at the end of the world, or whenever, even before that, whenever that person is faced with God face to face, that they will run to him. And often they do because they're so hurt and broken that they see Christ and that suffering has prepared them to accept the crucified God. So that's, that's the way that we look at it. We don't know somebody's material until the, that's what he's saying, until the end of the day when they're faced with Christ. What about then people that commit suicide? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like the church stands on that. Yeah. Is not as merciful as yeah. you know uh, someone that faces you know, a different type I, of. I, I don't have a great answer on that. I can give you a pastoral answer. I don't know if I can give you a theological answer in terms of you know the all these things, but the pastoral answer to that, even that the church gives in the case of suicide, and she's referring to according to the teachings of the church, if someone commits suicide, they're not allowed to have a funeral. 
We can't have a Unless funeral for them. They're mentally ill. Yes. Isn't anyone that takes their life <laughs> mentally ill? Exactly. So. Yeah. So I don't know what to say other than what you're saying. That's kind of the pastoral approach. Is that and the church does say when there's mental illness, and when it's a case by case thing. You know, when when there's somebody, you know, if that's like a case that's comes to me, I go to the bishop and discuss it and say, and if mental illness is involved, often the church will say, this person wasn't in their right mind. God is merciful. But then the question is, who in their right mind would do that, right? So, out of nowhere, yeah. Yes. Maybe they're not out there showing it or, yeah. you know, but what do you, like, Yeah. to me, I just... You always, I, in the, the pastoral response is you always err on the side of mercy. You always what? You always err on the side of mercy. <clears throat> mercy triumphs <clears throat> over ju- ju- justice, as it says in the scriptures. To Julie's question, if you mm-hmm. were to see a homeless person or... Whatever. If you think, if you believe that Christ lives in every human Mm -hmm. being, whether he accepts him or not, Mm -hmm. that if you're looking at that person, maybe you have to look to find Christ in that person. Mm -hmm. And if, and, and that would, I mean, I come across homeless people occasionally. And it's like, it's really hard to look at the face and talk to yourself and say, I know Christ is in that person. Okay, but you're not dealing with that person. You're dealing with the Christ that's in that mm-hmm. person. Whether you accept it or not, it's, mm-hmm. you're not making judgment right. on that person. And maybe that helps you get through mm-hmm. the period of that moment where you're interacting with that person, even if you driving in the car and you see a homeless person asking for money, okay? But you're in the car, you don't have money, you're not gonna stop because there's a car, two cars behind you going toot, 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 get on, get on with it. Mm-hmm. But you could still look at that person and say, he's there and I hope the best for him. Mm-hmm. So you're you're hoping the best for that person to get through his period of discomfort. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's all we have to do mm-hmm. is right. just accept that mm-hmm. God is there and press on with your life. It's kind yeah. of like, let's not take the pressures of the world on us because we're not that important. Mm. <laughs> I mean, think about the poor people. Mm. I sat down for lunch and I thought, I'm eating good food. I'm in a clean place. I'm not threatened by mm-hmm. the people sitting behind me. Mm-hmm. But there are people out there that are starving mm-hmm. and they don't dare look around for fear of who's behind them. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you think, I feel blessed, thank God. Yeah. But I feel sometimes like we're kind of, in the United States, we've got this Western perspective of Protestantism and Catholicism and and you've got to hit that bar. And 
that if you're poor, that it's because you're mm-hmm. stupid or lazy. Mm-hmm. And I see that so mm-hmm. often that, that people that I work with are treated with contempt by other people. And it's really hard mm-hmm. for, for me to respond to that in a Christian way. To respond to the contempt yes. in a Christian way. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not right. No, it's, it's not right. And it's, it's just really hard for me to, to reconcile everything when, I, when I'm in a society, a general society, that's very Western and, and treating people with so much judgment and so much harsh judgment and so much contempt. And how, how do we respond to that? I guess, so mm-hmm. I, I get that. Like, I feel that a lot. And I always try to, like, go back to what Christ said on the cross. Forgive them, for they do not know. And we're in a society that a lot of people don't even know who Jesus Christ is. Right. You know, it just, it's not there. Right. So in my mind, people just don't know, you know. They don't know any better. Right. And you pray like God has mercy on them. Right. But very often these yeah. are people who call themselves Christians, though. Yeah. Right. And that's that is what I'm having so much yeah. trouble yeah. reconciling. I'm, I'm obviously really overthinking. Yeah. yeah, Anthony, go ahead. <laughs> really? Okay. Really? <laughs> and, and I'll just say it's 10.30, so maybe we'll okay. just have Anthony, and then we'll close it up. And so, I, so, we can continue afterwards. <laughs> but. Because this is really interesting. What you're saying about, and what Father said, about the, the Roman Catholics of the West, and the Protestant reaction, and then after that, there was a Catholic reaction against the Protestants. This all goes back, from a historical standpoint, to the late 11th century, when Rome and Constantinople started a war with each other. But this, this, this really helps me, because I used to just struggle all the time with what you're talking about. And there, there's, there's a guy, there's a, a famous British medieval historian called Frank Stedman, who said that the Normans, who were the, you know, the people who invaded Britain, right? And that was actually a crusade last by the Pope to go wipe out the British, right? The, the, the Normans were fantastic churchmen and terrible Christians. Yeah. Because, because, because they wanted to build these huge, yeah. fantastic yeah. churches, why, for power, yeah. to say to yeah. the people, you do what we say or you're dead. Yeah. yeah. And you right. starve. Right. And that's right. not Christian. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think like what you're saying, too, is sometimes it's one thing to see Christ in like a homeless person or someone in need. But then we're also called to see Christ in the hypocrite Christians. Right. right? Really, the people that are are disparaging towards those kind of people. And I, I think at the end of the day, we can't solve the problems of the world when it comes to other people's judgments or all these things. Again, the, the, what Paul is saying is build your building the best you can with the good materials of love, of compassion, of seeing Christ. Because again, the building is just a metaphor. The reality is we're faced face to face with Christ and asked, will we recognize him? And that's what he asks in the Gospels. He says, I was hungry and you saw me. You saw me in that person. You gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a judgmental person and you still were kind to me. That's us building on the building is seeing Christ everywhere and using everything 
as an opportunity to build our building and get to know Christ so that we receive the reward of communion with him in a deeper and fuller way now and then in eternity. So let's, let's end there through the prayers of our Holy Fathers and of St. Peter and Paul. Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Amen.